Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Well, praise God. Uh, welcome back to Wisdom and Stuff podcast. This is Daryl Boucher, and uh, today we're going to get into something a little bit different. Um, uh, it's, just a, it's just a subject that I just find curious, I guess. Um, and I like to uh, I like to get into curiosities. I like to not to get preoccupied with them because uh, you can get on you know rabbit trails and do all kinds of stuff. But it is good once in a while just to kind of just to to put your toes in in something that you're just not maybe used to, or it's a little bit <clears throat> a little bit off of of the beaten path type of a thing, and um, and this isn't like a, any big deep deep thing or anything like that, but uh, but I do I want to encourage you you know just uh, you know I talk about curiosity every now and then because it is a very valuable part of the human uh, DNA. It's it's very part a uh, very very powerful part of our spirit that tries to draw our soul into more spiritual thought. Is curiosity is a doorway that allows us to. Uh, tap into more spiritual thought and it's the doorway of curiosity and sometimes people just don't they, they shut curiosity down and they're just like yeah well whatever i'm good with whatever i'm not good with whatever i just rather <clears throat> look at things and be like hmm wonder about that and at the same time i want to be humble enough to you know just when when god says hey you know here's Here's something that uh, maybe you don't need to get into right now. Okay, I'll just I'll just not get into it right now. I don't want to be prideful about my curiosity. Uh, I want to allow it to be a, a a tool that the Holy Spirit can use to guide me into truth that I'm not uh, f- currently familiar with. Because as I say all the time, um, He is here to guide me, and I don't need a guide where I've already been. I need a guide where I've not been before. So, curiosity. Uh, is what allows him to lead me into places I've not been. So anyway, but this is just a, a kind of a simple little um, principle, and I see it in, in Matthew chapter eight. And in Matthew chapter eight, <clears throat> excuse me, we see Jesus, and he is. Uh, this is the account of him with the centurion, and so um, it says here. Uh, I'm going to I'm reading down here. Okay, verse five. It says, uh, Matthew 8, verse 5. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now, a centurion, just so you know, is a Roman soldier who is in charge of a hundred other soldiers. So he's a person, what we'd call middle management, as it were. Uh, so he has a lot of responsibility, though, because the Romans were were just highly, highly disciplined people, and anybody in leadership had to be uber-disciplined. I mean, these people, if you disobeyed an order uh, in the Roman army, the punishment was death. And so, not not to say that everybody always died, but that was a a, a just punishment. Uh, and so, if, if somebody didn't die, then they were, they were shown great mercy. But so, it was very strict in the Roman, um, you know, armed military. And so, here he says, uh, so he was a centurion, and he came beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant uh, lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus says unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy uh, that thou shouldest come under my roof. So now one of the things here is he's, he's a Roman and he is, you know, he's telling Jesus, now understand at this time Rome has rule over Israel. And so basically, uh, if the Romans told the Jewish people to do something, the Jewish people pretty much had to do it. 
and um, and he's a Roman centurion, so he's he's in leadership. He's a military man in leadership, so he's not just any old Roman citizen. He's a centurion. So when he says something, in according to the custom here, Jesus was was more than compelled to do it. And now, so Jesus says, I'm, "I'll just come and heal him." Okay, and uh, and although most Jewish people. They hated and disdained the fact that they would that Rome would tell them to do anything. They considered the Roman people as dogs because they didn't have a covenant with God through Abraham, and so they considered them pagan dogs. And they hated the fact they had to do anything, and to even go into a Roman home was like defiling to the Jewish mind. And yet Jesus goes, "I'll just come and heal him." Now notice the the centurion. He says, "I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof." Um, so here the centurion who by the culture and by all rights could command Jesus to come with him, he actually says, no, I'm not even worthy. Uh, you know, here, here he is. He's in a position of authority, uh, you know, in the army that is literally ruling over uh, the, the, the Jewish people. And yet this man, he understands honor to such a degree that he's like, no, I am. I, he goes, I'm not even worthy for you as a Jew to come into my house. So, but he says here, he says, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. So now, here he's saying, he goes, I understand how this works. I understand how authority works, um, and uh, and this is a whole other subject, but you know, if you look at this, this guy, this guy never talks about faith or confession or anything like that, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to those principles, those godly principles, but... This man never even expresses his understanding of belief in confession. He, uh, he expresses his understanding of authority. And his understanding of authority is what allowed him to walk in a very high level of faith. Because he says, I know how this works because I'm a man under authority. Notice that he doesn't say because I'm a man under, over authority. He first he first ascribes his identity as a man under authority. And he goes, I understand how this works because I'm under authority. He knows how to take orders. And then he goes, and, and not only, not only am I under authority, if I say to this man, go, he goes. If I say to this one, come, he comes. People do what I say all the time without question or else death is the penalty. So he understands how authority works. Now he's talking about a dictatorial authority, not like, you know, authority like, like the kingdom of God, but at the same time, uh, authority is a big part of the kingdom of God, and uh, and you know we can read that even when when God prophesied the Messiah in Isaiah chapter nine, saying, "And of His government there'll be no end." You know, like, like there there is a governmental kingdom authority that God uh, has instituted through Jesus, but it's not dictatorial like this. Is actually is a is, it's a channel of love. Um, at the same time, though, it is authority, and so. It's it's a authority class based system where where you know we come under authority and we also have authority and so here he says I understand how this works I I'm under authority and I have authority now then verse ten no I love verse ten it says when Jesus heard this he marveled and then said to them that followed verily I say unto you I have not found so great a faith no not in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out in our darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way, and that, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So, oh man, this is huge, right? So here he is. 
I love this because verse 10, it says, and when Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now, this is a fascinating thing to me. We don't see Jesus marveling very often, right? He is not, it's, it's like, you know, I joke about this because, you know, when Rachel and I, when we got married, I noticed that she was kind of a gasper, you know, like if she dropped a pen on the floor, she would gasp. I'm not even joking. That's literally what would happen. She would, you know, she, cause she dropped a pen you know, on the floor, you know, and not like if she dropped a, it wasn't even like a cup of water. It was like a pen and she'd gasp, you know, and this little thing that was just like her natural response to things was gasping, you know, and, and I wasn't really familiar with that you know and so even like i just remember you know just not too long after we we um you were married or whatever we were driving and uh and she had once again like dropped a pen or something and she gasped and i just said hey wait a minute i go there there's got to be a rule here you cannot gasp in the car when i'm driving unless something is about to smash into us okay because gasping in the car when we're driving you know, that gets me like, okay, what are we doing? I'm putting on the brakes. I'm looking, I mean, whatever. Well, she dropped a pen. Anyway, uh, but understand that that Jesus is not one to gasp. He's not a gasper like that. He's not one to marvel very often. Okay, and, and to, to, to marvel means you're astonished. You're like, this is a very strong word to, to marvel. Jesus marveled when he heard this man. Right, he marveled. We only see this word really a couple times in Jesus' life. We see the one time when he marvels when he goes to his own hometown because of unbelief. He marvels because of unbelief. This time he marvels because of this guy's faith. So extreme unbelief causes Jesus to marvel. Extreme faith causes Jesus to marvel. I find this amazing. Now, I love this because he says, uh, he, he goes, in, uh, in verse 10, he goes, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I send to you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Now, you know, he actually, he's not even talking to the centurion. It says, he says to those who follow, he, so he's, he turns to his disciples and those who are following him, those who are going after his teachings, and he says to them, he says, I've not seen so great a faith, no, not in Israel. So he's not even, he's not patting the centurion on the back. He's not, he's not commending the centurion for his faith. He is actually reproving the disciples for their lack of faith. He's saying, I haven't found one Jewish people, who, one Jewish person who has this kind of faith. This guy is a Roman. He, is a, he doesn't have a covenant with God through Abraham. He is, you know, whatever. And, you know, he may have been converted over time. We don't know all that. But I'm just saying at this time, he's going, I've not found one Jewish person who has as much faith as this Roman. This Roman wasn't, wasn't probably brought up in the things of faith and the things of the covenant, and yet all these Jewish people following him don't have this kind of faith. And then he goes on to say, he says, um, I say unto you, verse 11, that many shall come from the east and the west. He goes, he goes there's going to be a lot of people who come that aren't even Jewish, and they'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the Gentiles, right? He's saying there's going to be people who come from the East and the West. There's going to be people who come from all kinds of different countries, and they're going to actually partake of the kingdom of God. He's talking about the Gentiles coming in. And then he says, and I say unto you that many, he says, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out in outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he goes, he goes, listen, he goes, here's the deal. There's going to be a lot of people who are Gentiles who literally at this point have no covenant with Abraham, and they're going to come in, and they're going to partake of the kingdom. Praise God. He goes, but there's also going to be those who, who think that because of their covenant with Abraham, they have a right to the kingdom. But because they don't engage with faith, their, their bloodline does not automatically mean that they're going to be in the kingdom. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying something that's very diversive to the people listening. 
because they all think because they're children of Abraham and they've got it made. They're children of Abraham, therefore they they must, you know, um, you know, have have a sealed deal. You know, it's it's like their 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 ticket is punched and they're good to go. He's like, no, it's not going to come because of the bloodline that you are born into naturally. It's going to come by faith because by faith you enter into the bloodline spiritually and. And so he's making this statement. Now, that's not even what I wanted to get into. What I want to get into here is the fact that he marvels uh, at, at the centurion. And I think one of the reasons, number one, you know, we're like, well, we know that he marveled because he had great faith, and that's true. But I think there was an aspect of this that I find interesting. Because it says in um, there in verse, uh, verse 7, when the centurion asks, talks to him about his, his servant, Jesus says in verse 7, I will come and heal him. Okay, so we know that Jesus is, uh, he says he only does what he sees the Father do, right? He only says what he's seen with the Father, he only does what he sees the Father do. As he's led, that's what he does. And we know that he was never hasty in his actions, we know that he wasn't a liar, so we know that that, that this is this is accurate. He only does what he sees the Father do. And and so, um, you know, even like, you know, when, when the woman was caught in, in, in adultery and all that, he, he, he sat down and he, he drew in the sand, you know, and he's just, he's, you know, at that time, I'm, I, I believe he was... He was just processing out what is he supposed to do? What's he supposed to say right now? And um, and so he wasn't hasty about his decisions of, of, of what he did or what he said. He said very clearly, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. He only does what he sees the Father do. He only says what he's seen with his Father. So this is what I want what, to, what, what I find a curious thing to me is it says here that he said, I will come and heal him. Okay. And then the centurion says, no, you won't. No, you're not going to come. If you speak the word only, my servant will be healed. Now, so apparently when Jesus said, I will come and heal him, he heard the father say, tell the man you're going to go and heal him. Or he saw himself doing it, you know, in the spirit. Either way, he was under direct, direct, you know, unction by the Holy Spirit to say, I will come and heal him and have the full intent of going and healing him because he'd already heard and said that from the father, right? Because he only did what he saw his father do. He only, he only said what he heard his father say, so it's and so forth. So so in this moment when he said, I will come and heal him, heal him, he had heard that said by the spirit and he had seen himself going in the man's house and healing. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. So, so that's what he'd already seen. And then the man, though, says, no, you're not doing that. You're going to speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marvels. And then what does Jesus do? He doesn't go in the man's house. He says, "It goes according to your faith. Be it unto you. According to you believe. Have it unto you." And it was. And the the, the, the servant went his. I mean, the centurion went his way, and his servant was healed the self same hour. So, so he didn't go and heal him. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. He said, "I'm going to come and heal him." And the servant said, or "The centurion said, no. Speak the word only." And so, notice the plan of God shifted. The plan of God shifted from Jesus going and healing to speak the word only. And I think this is what I, I know that he, he. I think that that this is really what caused Jesus to marvel, was that he saw someone's faith. And I'm, I'm going to say this. I know it's kind of weird, but that's why I want to. These are curiosities because um, uh, because because it says th- th- this man's faith shifted how Jesus did it. Jesus said, I'm going to come and heal you. I'm going to I'm going to come and heal your servant. And yet the guy says, no, speak the word only and he'll be healed. And so Jesus is like, whoa, I didn't hear 
See, the Holy Spirit, even though God is omniscient, God knows everything, right? So God knew this was going to transpire. But yet God first tells Jesus, say to the man, I will go and heal him. And then he says, speak the word only. So God's, God's process of healing shifted in a moment's time simply by the response of the centurion saying, nope, speak the word only and he'll be healed. Now, so this, this is what I think really marveled Jesus was, was that this man's faith, this man's faith was like so, I don't know, if it, what do you call it? It was, it was so active that this was probably, I, I don't know if it was the first time, only time, I don't know, a few times, I don't know, but I know it marveled Jesus, so it, wasn't, it didn't happen very often, but I believe his faith literally caused the, the, the flow of God to move. Even though God's omniscient and knew this was going to happen, he didn't fill Jesus on, in on it. He didn't tell Jesus you're going to actually speak the word only and he's going to be healed. He told Jesus you're going to you're going to go to the man's house and going to heal him. And then so Jesus had the full intent to do that and then the, the man says nope speak the word only and now suddenly he goes oh now he sees a different picture in the inside of him and he says oh I see myself speaking the word and your servant being healed. And so that's what he does, because he only does what he sees his father do. I decide I find this so fascinating because we we kind of can get locked into there's so many paradoxes in the kingdom of God, and this is kind of what I want to just briefly touch on a little bit, maybe over today and the next time, maybe. But um, but just just the paradoxes in the kingdom of God, because even though God is, what a paradox is is where when you have two when you have two things that are true and they they are they they relate to the same thing and they look like they 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 have to be opposite to be true but they're, they're the fact that they're true allows them to be accurate even though they look like they're opposite and so they're two opposite principles operating in the same on the same on the same you know thing and yet both of them are equally true okay and the kingdom of god is full of paradoxes because god can't be put in a box and we like to put him in boxes all the time but the kingdom of god is very fluid and even though his word is settled forever in heaven and even though he is omniscient and knows all things that were ever that will ever be there's still a fluidity of the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to kind of touch base on uh, this time and next time is just the fluidity of the kingdom of God, because this will help us. We can, we can get so stuck in things, so regimented with things uh, that we can, we can not understand the fluidity of God. Now I totally believe in the sovereignty of God too. So I believe there's a sovereignty of God is, is, is infinite. I believe the fluidity of God is also infinite. I believe his omniscience is infinite. I believe that man's free will is just as, as infinite. Okay. And so, uh, and that might be the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying? You can, you can get over it. Um, anyway, but understand that, that there's a fluidity in the kingdom that's expressed here that kind it causes Jesus to marvel. Because he's just like, whoa, wait a minute. I, you know, God told me I was going to come and heal him. And then God tells me, speak the word only. So in a moment's time, something shifts. The way that God did it and the way that this man received healing for a servant shifted in a moment's time. And I think as, as children of God, as those especially in ministry and those who are walking out the ways of God and those who are, who are pursuing the things of God, I think too many times we, we try to look into the Word and we're trying to find principles that help us to um, uh, kind of like figure God out. You know, like, oh, God does it this way. 
or or healing is done this way, or 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 this is how, or even salvation. You know, I've heard so many testimonies of people getting healed and saved and delivered and filled with the Holy Spirit, and all, I've heard so many testimonies of the years that totally don't line up with my theology. But I know it's true. I mean, as far as when they when they when they're speaking to me, the Holy Spirit is confirming in me that those things are true. I just don't have any I don't have any theology to back that up. But I know it's true. You know, and so uh and, and I know it's somewhere it's in the word. You know, but but what we do is we get so locked in because we're trying it's it's like we're 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 reading the word like a textbook and and it's almost like you're reading you're reading an algebra book and you're trying to figure algebra out. Like, oh, okay, so so when when a plus b equals c and when this and this and this and this and this, and this you know, we're trying to figure out the theorems and the and the and the formulas and the the scientific methodology that we can reproduce to make it happen and yet God is working relationally not mathematically or scientifically. God is a relational God. This is about a relationship with him and us and humanity. And it requires a fluidity, an understanding of fluidity. That that, you know, when and it doesn't mean that it's just haphazard, doesn't mean that God doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't mean that he's that he's even, you know, hiding things from us to spring it on us. It just means there's a fluidity to things. And we have to get really comfortable. When you know, I of course I grew up very analytically minded. Now I, I don't I don't claim to be analytical now. I want to I have the mind of Christ. I'm spiritually minded, praise God. So I I don't lean analytically or emotionally. I speak. I I I, I lean spiritually. That's which way I, I I I have an identity of spirituality, and therefore I will claim the identity of spirituality. But now, growing up, I had an analytical mind, and so I wanted to figure everything out. And 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 thing is, oh, after I got married, I realized that I couldn't figure my wife out. It's I, we've been married for twenty seven years. I still can't figure her out. Now the funny thing is that years ago um, I was thinking about it, and I wasn't like thinking about that specifically. I don't know. I was just thinking on something, and the Lord brought it up. And this was years and years ago. And He said, "He said, you know why you you know?" He, and I wasn't even thinking on this subject, but He just brought it up, kind of you know whatever. I was in the right place to hear it, I guess. And He said, uh, "You know, you know why you uh, um you, you want to try to figure your wife out?" And I go, "Yeah, it would make a lot easier. <laughs> it'd make a lot easier if I could just figure her out, you know." But uh, He goes, "No, He goes. The real reason why you want to try to figure her out is because you want to control the situation." And you don't want to walk in a, in a in a daily walk that requires humility. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I didn't, you know, that's not easy pill to swallow sometimes. And then sometimes you'd be like, well, no, I don't. I, that's not how I feel. Well, if you're trying to figure people out, it's because you don't want to walk relationally. Now, sometimes it's good to, you know, find out what people like or they don't like, so that you can bless them. Uh, but it's still not about putting him in a box, and God cannot be put in a box. We, you know, Jesus is my my bridegroom. I am His bride. We have a covenant that that is based on you know the the earthly marriage covenant, and me and my father, you know, here me and my father are one, but we are also, you know, he's I'm I'm growing and I'm growing into him and I'm growing up up in all things in him. And so it requires a, a fluid relationship. And so I just want to just kind of, I want to broach this subject very quickly, and we need to wrap this introduction up real quick. But but just I, I just want us to think about the fluidity of the kingdom, the fluidity of how God does things. Because there, there's reasons why he does them a certain way, and, and learning to be fluid in the moment of, of, like Jesus was saying, even though I might think something needs to happen this way, Maybe not. Maybe it needs to happen a different way, or maybe maybe it changed. Maybe I came into the situation fully expecting this to happen because in my prayer time or whatever, here's what I really believe God showed me, or 
I had an unction to, to, to lean in this way. I had an unction to say this or do this. Jesus had the unction to say, I will come and heal him. He had the spiritual unction to do that by the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost told him to say that. So he said that. But then that changed and he ended up just speaking the word only. Right, and so, so I just I want us to talk about this just just real briefly the next hour, or I mean I mean the next session. It's not going to be an hour, but the next session, and uh, because I, I I want us to just get really loose in the things of God. I want us to be lighter in the things of God, not so regimented, not so formula based, not if I do this and this and this and this going to happen. Um, that's really where we will frustrate our faith, because faith is a relationship. Faith is not a, a doctrine uh, that just gets adhered to with, with strict regiment. Faith is a relationship. And so we frustrate our faith, our relationship, a lot of times when we basically start making it about works or formulas or processes. And even though the processes are are, are genuine and the, the principles are genuine, they're, they're still filtered through a relationship with a very fluid, fluid God. So praise God. Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you just for, for just opening our eyes up, Father God, and, and showing us maybe where we've been trying to figure things out, or showing us where we've been basically frustrating our own faith by being so regimented. And I just thank you, Lord God, that you can grow us up into this relationship we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.